Good morning, Seacoast. Do you appreciate our worship team? Uh, channeling a little Tim McGraw through Caroline Collins. I love it. Well, we're glad you guys are here. Uh, my name is Josh Surratt. I serve as a lead pastor here at Seacoast and just grateful that you're with us uh, this weekend. I want to welcome all of you who are joining us at one of our campuses. In fact, our Asheville campus pastor, Teddy Winter, is in this service right now. So Asheville, sorry, he's not with you. He's with us, uh, but we're glad you're here. All of our campuses, maybe you're watching online. Some of you are traveling uh, this week and you're taking the time to, to watch the service and to participate in worship. And we're glad you're with us as well. Maybe you're on a treadmill. I like to run on the treadmill sometimes uh, when I'm out of town and watching service. If that's you, uh, speed it up a little bit. Let me be your Peloton instructor. Come on, you can do better than that. But uh, it's gonna be a great, great weekend. Um, let me ask you a question as we jump into this new series that we're launching into. How many of you in your home have a record player? Anybody got a record player? Okay, yeah, hold those up proudly. That's great. A little old school. I brought a record player. Lisa, my wife, I had a birthday a couple months ago, and I asked her what she wanted. She said, I really, really want a record player. And I'm thinking, I thought we were past record players. Like, I thought that we had moved past that now that we've got Spotify and Apple Music and all of that stuff. She's like, no, I just really want a record player. And uh, I love it because now when I get home, maybe from work or I've been out, I can tell what kind of mood Lisa is in based on what's playing on the record player, right? And so, for example, uh, I'll walk in often and, and she'll have a little Louis Armstrong going, right? That just means that she's feeling nostalgic. She's remembering her childhood with her dad and, you know, dancing to this song. And, you know, Louis kind of brings a certain vibe and it's like, okay, I can, I can feel that. I can know that. Uh, sometimes I'll come in and she'll be, she'll be rocking this one. Uh, this is a little Chris Stapleton. You know what I'm talking about. Little country with a with an edge. I see we got some country music fans in the house today. You know, Chris Stapleton. It's just it's just a vibe, right? You can just kind of tell. Okay, she's in a good mood. Uh, she's she's having fun. She's enjoying uh, cooking or whatever that she's doing at that time. Uh, every now and then, I'll come in. I just got my hands on this one this weekend. Uh, she'll be playing this one. You guys recognize this? Brandon Lake, right? Little graves in the gardens, little worship. But when I walk in, this is playing. It sets an atmosphere of worship. I know she's connecting with God. She's leaning in, and it's kind of this atmosphere of worship in the home, and it's it's fun. And uh, then this one, um, she's actually never played, but I bought it this weekend prophetically in the hopes that one day she might. This is Marvin Gaye. That you know uh, would just kind of indicate, you know, you connected with God. Now it's time to connect with me. You know what I mean? It's it's it, and so, babe, I got this one for us um, this week. My son is here, so let's end that one. Let's kind of move past that. But but but, but the record, the, the soundtrack that she's playing sets the tone for what kind of mood she's in. And here's what's interesting about it is that. No matter what kind of day I've had, when I step into a room, that soundtrack actually affects my mood as well. It brings me in to where she's at, to her, her mood. And, and, and we're starting a series right now, and we're calling it Set the Tone. Set the Tone. And, and here's, here's the, the, the premise of our series, is that when you look out there, if you will, outside of the walls of this church, 
our culture, there are a lot of different tones that get set, right? Depending on what's going on in our country and, and where you're at. I know there's going to be an election that comes up in a couple of years. And, and I'm not a prophet, but I can sort of predict what the tone is going to feel like in our country. If I were to describe it, I'd probably use words like divisive. Uh, there's anger is like an underlying tone that you feel and you sense in our country right now. Uh, selfishness, me-centered living is a tone that is said. And, and as a church, we have an opportunity to either go with the flow and reflect the tone of our culture, or we could reflect a different tone. We could set a different tone, a kingdom tone that God has called us to. And so we're going to study what does that look like? What would it look like for us to actually create a soundtrack that reflects the heart of God to our culture that sets the tone? And, and notice I said set the tone, not set the lyrics. And I want to talk about that for a minute because in a song, lyrics are important, tone is important. The best songs are the songs that have great lyrics and a great tone, right? Occasionally there will be a hit song that has a good tone, but not really great lyrics. I'm thinking about Blues Traveler Hook, right? That had lyrics all over the place, but the tone, the hook was such that it drew people in. But you don't really hear a lot of songs with good lyrics, but a bad tone. Nobody wants to listen to that song. And as I was thinking about that and, and processing how we could learn that together, I asked the band, you know, they did such a good job earlier with Humble and Kind to play the same song but maybe play it just a little bit different. So take it away, band. different tone, nobody wants to listen to it. Thank you, band, for helping us, uh, helping us with that illustration. I told Caroline earlier, I said, uh, thank you so much for doing that. We're going to put that on YouTube. So if you ever apply for a job at any other church, we're going to put that out there. That's you. Uh, get, get, get her to stay here forever. But, uh, but, but the same song, different lyrics, totally different experience. And nobody wants to listen to it. And, and, and here's, here's, here's where I want to go with this series. And if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, if you're a church person, I really want you to lean in here. I believe one of the greatest problems with the church over the last couple of years is that we've gotten the lyrics right, if you will. The lyrics are our doctrine, our belief. And by the way, very important to get those right. Uh, we did a, a whole series last year on our essential doctrines of our faith. They're so important. We have to get the lyrics right. But I believe that, that a lot of us have gotten the lyrics right, but we've gotten the tone wrong. And as a result, nobody wants to listen to what you have to say. Because if we don't get the tone right, nobody's going to be able to hear the lyrics, the, the, the stuff that we're talking about. And so my dream, my hope for us as a church 
is that we would marry good lyrics with a good tone and we would set a different kind of a tone and the culture would actually lean in. And don't get me wrong, the gospel at times is gonna be offensive, but we don't have to help it be offensive. <laughs> we, we can let the truth be the truth and we can, we can live lives that would set a different kind of tone. And so we're gonna, for the next five weeks, study what would it look like for us as a church to set the right tone. We're gonna study the book of Colossians, uh, chapter three. There's a passage, kind of our anchor verse for the series that I wanna read to you. It's out of Colossians three, verses uh, 12 through 14. It says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Verse 14 says, above all of these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect, say it with me, harmony, harmony. In other words, when we get this right, there is a sound that will emanate from us that, that binds the, all of that stuff together in perfect harmony. We want to be about that. How many of you in your marriage or in a relationship have ever gotten the lyrics right? You were right about the argument, but you got the tone right or wrong, right? It's, it's not a good experience. Uh, everybody loses in that case. And we, we just want to look at, okay, God, we want to be right in our doctrine and our theology and our beliefs. We want to be accurate. We want to be biblically sound as a church. We also want to be right on the tone and the attitude, the love that you've called us to live with. And when those two things come together, who knows what might happen? So how do we do it? How do we set the tone? I'm going to give you a little bit of an overview for the series, and then, and then we'll kind of let you know where we're going with each week. The first thing that I need to do if I'm going to set the tone is I've got to stop singing out of tune. <laughs> I've got to stop singing out of tune. Yeah, let's go back just a couple of verses in that passage. If you look at Colossians chapter three, Paul tells us earlier on that there are some things in our lives that are creating a sound that needs to go, that just need to be done with. And it starts in verse five. He says, so put to death the sinful earthly things that are lurking in your spouse. Uh, I'm sorry, I read that one wrong actually. Put to death the sinful earthly things that are lurking in your nation. Well, no, 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 it doesn't sound like that's the, the focus for us either. It says what? Within you. Within you. In other words, all of us, there are some things that are lurking inside of us that we need to pay attention to. And then he goes on and he, he gives us a list. He says, have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. A little bit of context for you. Colossians 1 and 2 is all about learning our new identity in Christ. It's the gospel. He's sharing, you know, we, we just finished a, a long series, six months that we've been studying 
the Sermon on the Mount. And, and the reality is that Jesus preached that message to teach us how to live. But the gospel is not that we would live that message perfectly and never get it wrong. The gospel is that in spite of our sin and shortcomings, we have a savior that died for us. And every other religion is about doing what is right and finding your way to God. In Christianity and following Christ, he came all the way to us in the depths of our sin. He died on a cross so that we could be redeemed and that, that we could live this new life. That's the gospel. We just say yes to that. We don't earn that. And that's what the first two chapters of Colossians are talking about. Get that identity of Christ in you. But then he says, hey, there's a new way for you to live. There's, you can't continue to live and, and do the things that you used to do. And he, he uses this really strong language, put to death. Some versions say mortify these things. As I think about what does it mean for us to put to death? How would we interpret that in our current culture? I was thinking about uh, this pet that we have in our home. I don't know if any of you guys have one of these pets, but, but we have, do any of you guys have these in your home? This is what, if you live here in the South, we call them palmetto bugs. That's kind of silly. They're not palmetto bugs. They're cockroaches. They're disgusting. And, and whether you live in a multi-million dollar mansion or a tent, you're going to have these things show up in your home from time to time if you live in the low country. And, and, and so what happens for us is, uh, you know, I remember a couple of years ago, we were hosting a small group in our home and Lisa had all of us worked really hard to get the, the house ready and cleaned up and we set some food out. And I remember people are starting to come over, some of whom we knew, some of whom were, were new to us. And Lisa looks at me like, Josh, you got to take care of them. I'm like, what's going on? I, I knew by the look in her eyes, uh-oh, we had a cockroach uh, crawling up our nice white walls while there are people over at our home. Now, when she tells me to take care of a cockroach, I have no question about what she needs me to do with that. She's not asking me to relocate it into a different environment where it can flourish and thrive. Uh, she, she's certainly not telling me to scare it away from where we are now because some of you have testimonies. I do. You, if you don't get them, they're going to show back up. It's going to usually be at night while you're sleeping, crawling all over you. And it's, it's terrible, right? So the job is to put it to death. The job is to smear its guts on whatever surface that it is on, and we'll worry about cleanup later. Come on. I know you, you follow me. You just got to get rid of it. You got to put it to death. Mortify it. Y'all, that's the language that Paul is using when he's talking about some of these things that lurk within us, some of these sins that, that lurk within us. And he says, y'all, you have to take it seriously. If you're going to live out this life, if you're going to set the tone in the culture, some things have to go. And then he runs through a list. And I don't know how you handle these lists. Here's what I tend to do with lists like this is I'll read through them. Okay. Sexual morality, impurity, lust. Do it. Okay. There, uh, you know, you know, greed, idolatry, uh, doing, doing okay. there. trying to be generous and I'll tend to focus my attention on the lesser of those sins on the list. How do I know what is lesser? The ones that I don't struggle with. Those are the ones that are lesser on the list, in my mind anyways. And so I'll kind of move through it. But the reality is the list that he goes through, it actually hits everybody. I mean, nobody is unscathed by a list like that. And so you may be here today and you go, well, you know, I'm not really so much struggling with, with sexual impurity. But do you ever sometimes stretch the truth a little bit to make yourself look better or to close a deal? Uh, but, you know, I don't really deal with, with filthy language so much. But, 
But is there anger and unforgiveness that's kind of lurking inside of you? The reality for all of us is if we're going to set the tone, we've got to identify, where am I out of tune right now? Where would you say that you're out of tune? You know, maybe there's, there's some things that are lurking within you. But we got to be willing to address those. Well, what do I do about that? What do I do when, when I realize, man, there's some of this stuff that's actually like found its way into my heart, found its way into my, my life, and it's taken a foothold? Well, well, here's the great news is that you don't have to sit around and just feel guilty about it. You repent of your sin. Anytime the Holy Spirit highlights something within you, it's a gift of God that he would allow us to see it before it derails our life. And we go, God, I'm, I'm so sorry. I want to repent in my heart. But repentance isn't just about being sorry. It's about turning in a new dire- direction. Saying, okay, I'm going to do whatever it takes to put these things to death. And we'll talk about that as we move into response time here in a little bit. But I would just ask you, as we seek to set a tone in our homes, to set a tone in our workplaces, set a tone in our church, is there an area that you're out of tune right now? I'm praying that the Lord would highlight that for each of us. It would be such a personal thing that we would know, okay, this is something that he's asking me to deal with. It's not always something that's necessarily a sin. This list is, but sometimes there are things that they're not sin, but they're not sustainable. And you've kind of allowed a freedom to, to become central in your life. And God's saying, hey, let's, let's stop singing out of tune. Let's set the tone. Second thing that we have to do if we're going to set the tone is learn a few basic chords. Learn a few basic chords. Now, listen, full disclosure, I, I'm not a musician. I can't play music. I could have done that humble and kind version all by myself, and it would have sounded really bad. But as I've been looking and studying and talking to some of my friends. How many of you play guitar? If, yeah, a lot of you guys play guitar. When you learn to play guitar, my friends that play guitar tell me that you, you got to start with learning three basic chords. That if you'll learn the three chords of G, C, and D major, that you can play a plethora of songs. I mean, there will be so many songs on your potential playlist just by learning those three chords. In fact, the Beatles built an entire album, their, their, their history of albums, 90% of it is played on four chords. Four chords. They've done okay by just sticking with four chords, right? And you know, when you learn those, those basic chords, then you can kind of you know, go in different directions, and some of the stuff that our bands do are amazing, and learn these different licks. But, but if you learn some basic chords, you'll have the foundation for what you need to be successful. And the same is true in our faith journey. Paul's saying, hey, stop singing out of tune, but there's a few things that I want you to focus on. Just a few things that I want you to, 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 to learn as Christ followers. What if we just simplified our chord list? Paul lays out five of them, and these are the five that we're gonna focus on during this series in verse 12. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, Humility, gentleness, and patience. How many of you have, have ever stood in front of your closet and been kind of paralyzed because of how many options you had to choose from? You don't know what to do. You're not sure where to go. Don't elbow your wives, husbands. But what Paul's saying is, hey, I want to help you simplify things here. What if every day we got up and we were like, you know what? Of all the things that I could focus on today, I'm going I'm to lean into these five. 
compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And then tomorrow when I wake up, I'm going to go back to that same list. You know what? I'm going I'm to master these simple chords, five chords. I'm going to, as a Christ follower, when I'm going to reflect the tone, I'm going to have my beliefs right. I'm going to get the lyrics right, but I'm going to, I'm going to make sure I'm focusing on my, my attitude in these five areas. So we're going to unpack them over the next few weeks. And today again is more of an overview, but I do want to talk about compassion for a minute. That first one, what, what, what would it look like for you if every single day you made it a point to see the pain that some people are going through, get close enough to it that you're compelled to do something about it. If you look at the definition of, of, of the, the, the words that they're using there, it's, it's sometimes translated tender-hearted mercy, what Paul's using, and it's a display of concern over another person's misfortune that moves us to action. Can you imagine what it would look like if just the people in your campus right now if you just looked around and if every one of them started every day with the goal of, I'm going to be compassionate today, I'm going to care about the, the concerns of other people, it would, it would make a huge impact in our world, in your workplace, in our culture. And I know some of you, it can be a struggle here. I feel like in our culture with social media, we, we, have, we have the needs of the world at our fingertips. Some sociologists call it compassion fatigue. Like you just, there's so many issues that come up, but, but my job isn't to solve all the world's problems, but it is to, to have a posture that says, God, would you help me to see the needs of the people around me? What if we started in our own home? What, what if one of the guiding principles of your parenting was compassion? Wow. I wonder if that would make a difference. I was at a business leader retreat, we've got, uh, dad's talked to you guys about the, the Church Creek retreat, and we do a few trips every year for men. We do a few trips every year that my wife leads for women, and we just want to invest in leaders in our church. And we were on one of these trips, and a, a guy in our church, he's about six foot three, he owns a construction company, he's a big dude. And we were talking around the table at just some of the struggles, and a couple of the people at the table were having challenges with their teenage boys, and and, and this guy, again, big construction guy, like strong. He said, you know what God's been working with me on, with my teenage boys? It's just leading with compassion. And he used the word tenderness. He said, I'm trying to parent my teenage boys with tenderness. And it just, it was almost like you just didn't expect that to come out of his mouth. I expected him to say, you know what I do is I whoop them up and down until they come, they come into shape, Right. And he's not saying he doesn't discipline his kids, but he's saying, hey, I'm trying to respond to them with a tenderness. And he said, I'm telling you, it's making a huge difference in my home. Man, I want to do that. I want to parent with tenderness. I want to parent with compassion. I don't want to constantly be fighting. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to discipline my kids because that is a loving thing to do, but I'm going to do it out of a place of compassion for them, not trying to be right in an argument. Lisa and I were driving downtown just last night for a date, and, and I, at the same stop, the same intersection that I see every single time I drive there, there's somebody asking for money, and just full disclosure as your pastor, I've become a little calloused to it, because again, I can't solve all of those problems. They're, they're complex, and as a church, we're leaning into them. We want to be a part of the solutions, 
But I was like, Lisa, do you have any, do you have any money? We, we, again, it's not, I'm not gonna fix all of this gentleman's problems, but I can cultivate compassion in my own heart just by leaning in. How, how do you do that? How do you, how do you cultivate compassion? You know, I'm glad that you asked. We've been talking a lot about Serve Day. I love a lot of things about Serve Day. I love that a sea of red t-shirts is gonna descend upon our communities where we have campuses and the, the world's gonna see people just serving. But, but what I love more than that as your pastor is that it, it's gonna cultivate a compassionate heart within each of us that you're gonna get around maybe some, some pain that you didn't even know existed in your neighborhood and your community, and God's gonna prick your heart as you do that, and, and you're gonna be compelled to move to action, and it's gonna be good for you. It's gonna be good for your faith journey because Paul told us, hey, learn a few simple things, one being compassion, tenderhearted mercy. So I don't know whether you've been planning on doing that or not, but I wanna challenge you to serve somebody next Saturday. Do it every day, but let Saturday be kind of a something, a catalyzer in your life. I'm going to be out of town next week. My family and I are going to be in Florida. So I've been talking to my wife. We're going to pack our red shirts. The cool thing about Serve Day is we're actually partnering with churches all over the country. There's an app, a Serve Day app, and, and we're going to find a way to serve where we are. You may be on vacation. What kind of impact would it make for your family if you prioritize compassion even when you're off? You know, even when you're not in your own city. So, so we're, gonna, we're gonna be compassionate. I wanna challenge every one of you to be involved, to do something. To, to, it's like a muscle that has to be, has to be used in order to, to strengthen and develop and to have the compassion that God's called us to have. So we're gonna stop singing out of tune. We're gonna learn a few basic chords and we're gonna talk about more of that over the next couple of weeks. The last thought for us, if we're gonna set the tone in our world, is we got to keep coming back to the root note. Keep coming back to the root note. Now, I realize if you're not a musician, I've probably lost you on that point. I was talking to my dad, who's a wannabe musician, um, but he's, he's good. He's better than me. And I was like, Dad, I'm trying to, here's what I'm trying to say. Help me say this in a way that maybe would tie into the theme of set the tone and, and be faithful to the scripture. And he said, oh, well, there's this, there's this idea of a root note. Go look it up. And so I studied and, and come to find out that every song, did you know every song has a root note? It's the tonal center of gravity for that song. And so they may go in different directions in a bridge or in a, a verse. It may go, you know, even change genres a little bit throughout it, but it's going to come back to the root. It's going to come back to the center. If maybe the band starts playing out of key accidentally, unlike what they did earlier today, they know they can get back to that root note and it's going to help get them back on track. Did you know that we have a root note as well? That Paul calls us to it in Galatians, or I'm sorry, in Colossians 3, verses 15 through 16. It's a center of gravity for us spiritually. He says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. And then he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. If we're going to set the tone, we're going to have to pay very close attention to what is dwelling within us richly. In other words, to what we've allowed to, to, to grow roots in our lives. Because the reality is we're going to deal with lots of different emotions from time to time. There are going to be a lot of things that stop by. Fear is going to stop by from time to time. And that's actually okay. 
Sometimes God uses fear to, to move us away from danger, right? But it's a problem when it becomes the primary resident in our soul and in our hearts. Anger, it's gonna come by from time to time. You know, there's been a lot to be angry about over the last several years in our culture. Anger is not a terrible thing, but, but man, when it takes root, it becomes the, the center of gravity from which we see everything else. And so we can't see situations and circumstances that come up in our culture through the lens of the peace of God and the word of God, because we're now looking at it through something else that's taken root in our lives. Addiction, that list that Paul went over, sexual sin. You know, you, you may struggle with, with lust from time to time, but when we don't deal with it and we allow it to take root in our life, it begins to, to take over. And as your pastor, I, I, wanna, I wanna encourage you. I've been praying about this message and about this series that we're gonna do. And I believe that there are some of us that are here, we've allowed some things to take root in our lives. And I've been praying that God would help us to uproot those things and replace them with the peace of God, the word of Christ, that they would be the center from which I would be able to process every other thing that happens. My daughter was in the backyard the other day, jumping on the trampoline. I was out on the back porch and she says, hey, daddy, what's that new tree in our backyard? What are we growing there? I'm like, Ellie, there is no new tree in our backyard. I would know it. I would have planted it. She's like, no, daddy, I promise you there's a tree back here. And, and in the corner of our house, kind of around, the, there's a side that I just don't go over to very often at all. And she's like, no, there's a tree growing right over there. And so sure enough, I go over there and I find there is a tree that has grown in our yard, in our flower bed. I'm like, what is that? And it, what it was is it was a weed that left, was left unattended and it became a tree. And so I go over there and I'm like, well, I'm just gonna pull this thing out. And I figured, you know, weeds have shallow roots anyways. And, and so I go and I start pulling on this tree and literally I, I, I start to throw my back out because it's so rooted in the ground. So I have to go into the garage. I have to get a shovel. I start digging out. I dig it out. I still can't get it out. I had to dig in with my hands and start to untangle the roots of this weed because they had become so entangled with the other healthy things in my garden that I finally, after about 35 minutes, got this thing out of the ground. With no shame, I'll show you a picture of the weed that was growing in my yard. <laughs> Somebody said, that is a tree. It, it, it became one. It became a tree. And, and I, I, had to, I had to work so hard. It was choking out the bush that it was next to was actually dying because the, the roots had grown so deep. And I just wonder if there are some of us that are here today and we've allowed some things to linger long enough that their roots have started to kind of get intertwined, that we need to do the hard work of coming back to the root note of God's peace and God's word. Those are the only things that belong as residents in our spirit, in our lives. And it can be painful, and sometimes you catch a weed early, and you just pull it out, right? But there are times that, like that tree, you have to, you have to really dig in, and it's going to be painful. But, but if you don't, it's going to choke out some things that you don't want dying in your life. It's going to choke out relationships that you don't want to die. It's going to choke out the peace that passes all understanding. 
because we've allowed it to take root. We've got freedom course. We've got counseling. I don't know what's been growing and maybe taking hold in your life, but I promise you it's worth whatever pain you have to go through to uproot it. Sometimes by God's grace, it's in a moment of prayer. It's in a moment of clarity. It's a touch from the power of God and the power of Holy Spirit. I'm praying that even today that the root of fear in many of our lives would be replaced with the, the root of God's peace that passes all understanding. That the root of anger, that God would soften our heart and untangle some of that maybe righteous anger at one point that now has become something that it never should have been. And that we would set the tone that there would be a soundtrack that would emanate from this place, from our homes, from our families, that would be, be one of God's peace, God's word, done with compassion and gentleness and kindness and humility and patience. And that we might even see a reformation, a revival that would begin out of our own hearts and our own spirits. So would you pray with me as we pray that God would make that be so in our church? God, I thank you so much, Lord, that you have called us to a great mission field. God, that you have surrounded us with a world that desperately needs to know you. They desperately need to see and experience the love and the grace and the forgiveness and the truth that you offer. God, there are so many ailments, but would you help us not just to reflect the sound of our culture, but would you help us set the tone of your kingdom, of your love, and of your life. Lord, would you help us to marry a sound doctrine and sound belief with a tone of compassion and love and forgiveness that would move people towards you. God, I pray for my friends that are here today and at the campuses, maybe watching online, where there are some of us, there's some things that have taken root in our lives that have caused us to sound out of tune, Lord, that have caused us to get off track, caused us to miss the mark. And God, we repent today. Lord, we're sorry for letting these things grow, for letting these things choke out the life and the fruit that you've planted in our lives. Lord, would you help us uproot them? Would you help us to, to put them to death and that we would walk out of here singing a new song with a different tone? God, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to respond to God. And uh, you may be new here at Seacoast. I know a lot of people come uh, maybe in the summertime. You've moved to Charleston. And maybe in the tradition that you're familiar with, when the message is done, we all kind of go. But here we like to hang out for just a few minutes. And we like to ask the question, God, what are you saying to me today? Like, what, what is it? I, I, the preachers talked a lot. We've sung, we've had a good time, but what are you saying to me? And then what am I gonna do about it? What's one step that I could take to respond to what you're doing in my heart and my life? A lot of us today are probably gonna go to crosses and maybe there's some areas in our lives that we've just allowed to linger and grow that have taken root or maybe we just are gonna be proactive about not letting them take root and we're just gonna write out whatever that is on the cross. We're gonna be reminded of God's grace, of God's forgiveness, but also of God's truth and God's direction. 
God's cor correction in our lives. And we're gonna repent and we're gonna ask God, would you exchange this root of bitterness, this root of fear or anxiety? God, I want you. I want you to so fill me, so fill my life that there's not room for any of that other stuff. Some of us are gonna come to the candles and maybe you know somebody, somebody that you love that maybe has wandered away from the faith or wandered away from your family. And it's really created a lot of pain for you. It's created a lot of heartache for you. It's disrupted a, a relationship and, and you feel powerless for what you can do about it. And so you've instead just worried and it's allowed this root of worry to, to grow deep. And today we're gonna say, no, we're gonna do what the Bible tells us to do, which is not to worry about anything, but instead in prayer and supplication, pray about everything. The Bible says that when we do that, that he exchanges that worry with the peace that passes all understanding. In other words, the problem hasn't been solved yet, but God fills us with a peace that takes root in our life. It rules. The word rule in that passage actually, it refers to like what we would think of as an umpire. Like the peace of God becomes an umpire that decides what's gonna be allowed in and what's not. And, 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 and God's gonna allow us to leave with that. Some of us are gonna come and we're gonna take communion you don't have to be a member of Seacoast Church, but you do have to have received Jesus, surrendered your life to him, become a new creation by receiving the gift of salvation that he offered by dying on a cross, substituting his death for the one that we actually deserved and earned on our own, but he knew we couldn't pay that price, so he paid it for us, and we can walk in freedom. It doesn't make sense. Well, what about all the things I've done? Well, he's paid for them. And, and if you've done that, you come and you receive communion. You just say, God, thank you. Jesus, thank you for your body and your blood. You'll take the bread and you'll dip it in the juice and just remember what Jesus did for us on the cross. We have prayer team members and, and there are some times that we go through things that we just need somebody else to come alongside of us. It may be a health thing for you. It may be a relational thing for you. It could be struggle that you're having in your business or could be that there's something that's taken root in your life and you need somebody else to stand with you and pray with you. And our prayer teams would love to just with compassion lean into whatever you're going through and speak God's word and God's truth into your life. Some are gonna give their tithes and offerings just as a place of gratitude. One way to flex the compassion muscle in your life is just to be generous and to, to realize that, man, by giving and by being a part of what God is doing here, I'm actually... I'm a part of compassion that's happening all over the globe. And some will do that during response time. And then we're just gonna sing and celebrate an awesome God who loves us. Let's set the tone, Seacoast. What's God saying to you? Let's respond to him together.